Hey guys, this is the Real Life Monopoly Podcast. This is your co-host, Jeffrey Donis, alongside my partners and brothers, Kenneth and Kerwin Donis. We are real estate investors, and the point of our podcast is to help you reach your financial goals, which will allow you to have time to focus on your true passion so that you can live not only a happier, but more fulfilled life. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this is Jeffrey Donis, and today on the show, we will be having Daryl Murphy. Daryl is a commercial real estate investor as well as a commercial realtor. And on today's show, he goes into some of the lessons that he took away from walking through his first deal. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Thank you for tuning into the Real Estate Monopoly podcast. This is your co-host, Jeffrey Donis, alongside my partners and brothers, Kerwin and Kenneth Donis. Today on the show, we'll be having Daryl Murphy. Daryl, do you mind introducing yourself to the audience? Sure. My name is Daryl Murphy, and um, I'm with the Murphy Bain Financial Group, and also with the uh, Commercial Multifamily Masterminds, which is an affiliate of the GOB Network. I really do appreciate you coming on today. Do you mind giving the audience a background as to how you got into real estate in the first place? Sure. Um, I got back, I got into real estate. Well, let me give you a little history. I was born in Brooklyn, New York, okay? Um, I got married and I went into the military, into the army, served 10 years in the army, got out in New Jersey, two children, and I wanted to stay here in New Jersey. So I live right outside the gate of Fort Dix, right? When I got out, I went into real estate and I also got my nursing license, all right? So it was during that time, I was a, a credit partner where I would lend my credit out to do um, to, to help either people that was fixing and flipping or residents. And I bought my first property back then in Chester, Pennsylvania. So I bought my first property and, and uh, this thing was a train wreck. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but now I still own it. I still own it because I own the land on it, but they, they tore down the building. But um, after that, I went into, um, I took a little hiatus because of health reasons. And then from there, um, I, I started my own uh my own travel agency. And then I ran that for decades, for about a good decade or so. And then I wanted to come back into real estate. While I was saying, I live in here in Jersey, got my got my Jersey real estate license, signed up with, with KW. I was um, two years resident, residential uh, agent. And I built a relationship with investors and with banks. Cause I was, my specialty was Sing um was uh, uh foreclosures, REOs, short sales. That was my thing. And after two years of doing that, I was doing that two years of doing that, I was studying. I was like reading books on commercial multifamily and stuff like that. And I started going to boot camps, right? And 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 like even like before the boot camps, I was reading certain books by brokers who were investors. And when I started going to the boot camps, they really you know, started breaking it down and, and everything like that. But it hit me one day that you need to get out of residential hmm. and jump into commercial. And that's when it was like my last, I think the ending of the second year as a residential agent and I jumped into commercial and my specialty is commercial multifamily. And I've been doing that ever since. So, so I started teaching at, when 
I jumped into commercial, I formed my first meetup. And from there, it went from that of maybe one or two people sometimes to where it is now. And I'm still, I'm still commercial. I'm still a commercial guy with KW and, and everything. Awesome. I kind of just want to touch on that. So, um, you know, we, we're actually from New York as well. We're, we were born in Queens. So that's okay. awesome to hear that, you know, Queens is very close to Brooklyn. Right. Um, so, of course, we, we're happy to hear, you know, a lot of people that come on um, that get into the commercial space, you know, they, they might start in the single family. Right. But they always <clears throat> realize that multifamily is, um, you know, within real estate, that is one of the best asset class to be in. And, of course, there's a lot of reasons for that. But I'm just curious to know why multifamily caught your attention. Um, because I saw the bigger picture. Matter of fact, I could tell you exactly when it was. Awesome. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, go ahead. I had, um, we got to go back to me being a residential agent, okay? And one of the brokers of KW, he said to me that he was starting a program. And, and you know, so I, and he wanted, he was, you know, did you want to, did I want to join? I, you know, so he was my mentor. And his platform was about, um, what we call that? Scaling up. The only thing, man, he was talking about scaling up from one to two, two to three, three to four. But when he got past four, he sort it's it, it sort of like stopped there. But he would mention commercial. I said, wait a minute. Now during this time, I was already in a commercial. I was already in a commercial class. I was still reading, and I had already completed the boot camp. Um, he wanted me this particular day to teach the class because he was training me to become uh, a teacher like him and to travel around and teach other KW agents. But while I was standing there, it was like a bolt of light and hit me straight in the face. <laughs> and that's when I saw the picture and I, and I, I sort of froze. Seriously, I sort of froze and he had to step in but then I, I got my bearings back and I continued. But when I left that class teaching them, I said, I'm going straight commercial. That's when it hit me. I need to, I, I said these words, you got to jump the friends home, boy. <laughs> That's what I said. And okay. I, I would love to kind of uh, pick your brain on, is there, because I feel like there's some people that are hesitant to transition um, from residential to commercial. Do you have any like insights or opinions on why that is? Why people um, are hesitant, even if you know once you tell them like what the benefits of commercial are, they're aware of that, but they still hesitate. Well, well, I'm glad you said my opinion because really it's, that's basically what it is. But I think it's a lot of times fear. I mean, it's easy to think of a one, two, three, four. Now remember, four units is residential. One, two, threes, and fours. That's all residential. When you jump that fence into that fifth unit. You just went commercial. But a lot of people think, and, and I, I honestly believe that it's safer when you're dealing with the smaller units, like, you know, the ones, the twos, and the threes. And some people, um, and I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm going to say this, but I want, I want you to understand what I'm saying. How many people from Brooklyn, New York, maybe Queens, Bronx, actually ever think about buying a hundred unit commercial building. How many people actually do that? Well, we can say, let alone like think about getting into real estate. 
but yeah. let alone getting into you know commercial and then with yeah. the commercial going big as in hundred right. plus units. Right. Majority of us live in them, but I bet none of us ever think about who's owning them, right? Except when you got paid the rent, you know, you get you, you get pissed off at the landlord, right? But I think honestly, man, I think it's because of of fear. And when I say fear, it's not just necessarily the size, um, but I know early on the biggest fear I had was where I'm gonna get this money from. That was I think that was one of the biggest fears until I finally, uh, after my mentor, um, my new mentor, started telling me, Daryl, stop worrying about the money. If the deal makes sense, you're going to be able to raise that money. But it was definitely I had a I had a fear of wow, how I'm gonna get this money? How I'm gonna do this? How, you know, but between uh, for me, it was fear. I didn't have a fear about the size. Um, and I think that was due to me reading a lot of books that was already written by other commercial brokers that invest in commercial multifamily, in industrial, retail. They didn't have a fear. And, and I didn't have a fear also because I believe in God and there's no fear. The way he created me and created us, there's no limits to me. So I didn't have no fear about the limits, about the size. I would just why am I, you know, I'm just crazy about the money. How am I going to get this money? So, Amen. And, and I agree with that. So, of course, you kind of went into, you know, you saw the bigger picture. You went to the boot right. camp. You were doing your studying. Um, but I'm curious to see what that first deal actually looked like as far as, like, uh, how many units it was, you know, how you might have came across that deal. And, and you know, like you said, how did you find the money? <laughs> right. So my first deal, um, I, I have to go into what I call the circle, right? I'll, right now, I always say, um, if someone say, well, how many deals you have? I say, well, my circle is complete. I got my first circle complete. But the reason why I call it my circle is because my first deal was a 208 unit deal in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That was my first deal. But I did not complete the circle. So we went through, um, I got it under contract, okay? We, my wife and I flew out to Tulsa to meet the team, to walk and to start the due diligence. It was during the due diligence that we had to pull back um, because the, it was in bad shape. This particular project was in really bad shape. Half the units, it was 208 units and half had to be rehabbed and they and several and i'm gonna say majority of all of them had to be gutted it was a heavy lift right the um the management that was running it i don't think they really knew what they were doing because there were no we, we couldn't find their leases we there was no proof of rent that people paid um so after doing the due diligence and, and we it's not like we didn't know what we were getting into. We knew what we were getting into, but we thought that there was going to be some cooperation and there wasn't any cooperation. And this here was a hint that it wasn't going to be any cooperation. We were doing due diligence, walking the units, man. And we walked into this one unit and in Oklahoma, you know how the gun laws are there. Okay. Yeah. Man, we walked into this one unit, man. And there was a Glock sitting right there on the 
on the 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 um in the nightstand in the bedroom and i told everybody stop back out of here just go straight back out don't touch don't look don't take nothing pictures no pictures i'm not taking i mean i'm taking take no pictures or just i said just back out because his glock is sitting right there and you know house was empty man nobody was there the last thing we needed was for something to happen yeah but that was that was just a tip, man. But after a while, it was that I think on day three, it just really just rolled downhill. So that first deal, my circle stopped and it, it wasn't completed. My circle didn't get complete until a couple of weeks ago. So um, you said you just assumed that means that you got under contract, you went through the due diligence process and it checked all the boxes. Do you mind walking us through that? Um, I know, I'm sure you were you had some investors that you planned on raising capital from. How also, if you don't mind, I'll just touch on that first question. Let's just do that. Okay. So the the second deal, this is how I got in on it. Um, there was other investors that already had that deal under contract. Okay. So they had pretty much did the the I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the good stuff because. I, I, I want to do the due diligence. I want to I want to walk the units. I want to do all of that, right? But they had done a lot of the of the hard work, some that I wanted to do, but they asked me to come in on the capital raise. So I came in on the capital raise, and that's how I got in on the deal. And from there, we um what you know whatever was needed to be done, I was there to, to help assist in getting it done, and raise the capital so we could close. And so forth. So, so I got in on that deal that way, and that's when my circle became complete. And, and the beautiful thing was, um, they knew me, of course, because you're not going to partner with someone that you don't know. So they knew me. I knew them, and I, you know, I signed on the loan. Everyone. So now, when you look at when when someone asks, well, what experience do you have? I could say, well, if Fannie and Freddie was if Fannie and Freddie was to say, have you ever signed on a Fannie and Freddie loan before? I could say, yes, I have the experience now. So right now, um, so we did close, and we just doing uh, renovations now, and and bumping the rents up to market, and uh, so my circle is complete. Congratulations on that, by the way. But I I just kind of want to dig into that a little bit deeper, of course. Go ahead. Um, So I know that you said you came into the deal raising the money. Uh, If you don't mind, you know, how many units was the deal? How much did you like, were were you able to raise? And then also what what is like the business plan for that property? Right. Well, it was a total, it was a total amount that uh, we raised a hundred. Whoa, let me, not a hundred, but we raised 1.7 million, 104 units in augusta georgia market yeah yeah and what made me uh get on that deal when they brought it to me was but i'm a commercial guy so i looked into the market to see i looked into the market to see what was going on there because um my markets that i invest in is texas and arizona i don't really invest in georgia so um, so because of that, I said, well, I'm not familiar with Georgia, but I need to get to know Georgia. So I went in, pulled up CoStar, 
did some research, some homework, checked the data that was given to me by CoStar to, to make sure it was really up to snuff and you know to get my thumbs up. Um, I found that <clears throat> that there was a lot going on there. Amazon was building an 800 um, a 800,000 square foot building. You had the cybersecurity there. You had the medical center there that, and, and I could not believe this, but the medical center there was employing 36,000 people. A big chunk of people. That's a big chunk of people. So I figured, I said, wow. I said, wait a minute. And then, I, of course, I did look at the numbers, and I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but, but everything looked really good. So I said, well, I said, I would like in on that. You know, I would like in on it. And they said, sure, come on in. Awesome, and you had mentioned that on the first deal, you were planning on closing on it if everything went well. I assume that you nurtured those leads of investors that you had. How did you transition those investors over to this deal, if that's something that you did? Well, actually, <laughs> this, is gonna, this is gonna be a little story. Um, I, did not, I did not transition those investors over um actually um actually what happened was i had built a relationship with some investors and the agreement was it would just be us they would bring the money i bring the deal i work the deal do everything okay to get this deal and to keep it going so that all the so that the both of us could be uh it was a jv and it was supposed to be like a family type thing. You know what I mean? That's that's how we used to always talk about it. Like, okay, it's a family type thing. They bring the money, I bring the deal. Well, as I'm getting closer to get this property under contract, I, things just started changing. They wanted, and now before now, remember, it was straight split between us, all of that. All of a sudden, they wanted to change it to a waterfall. I said, wait a minute. I said, but I thought we were going to just do 50, 50. We're just going to JV this. So come to find out they were, they were raising money. I said, wait a minute. I said, you're raising money. I said, that's not a JV no more. That's a syndication. So they were like, no, we can still do just that. I don't think so. I said, well, let me check with my attorney because <laughs> I'm not going to jail and I don't want to get in no trouble. I agree. So I checked with the, my SEC attorney and she said, yep, you got it. That's no longer a JV. That's a syndication. Well, after that, I don't know, it just sort of went downhill. To me, it went downhill. Um, the day that I was supposed to, no, the day before that I was supposed to fly out to Oklahoma, they backed out of the deal. And I was like, holy smoke. My wife and I had already had a gut feeling that that was going to happen. And I said to my wife, I said, if they back out, because I, I needed, I had to put, I, they were even putting up the earnest money. I said, if they back out, we immediately call everyone that we know, every investor that we friends with on our teams, everyone, tell them. We need earnest money. And sure enough, they backed out at that the day before I, I got on that plane. 
immediately got on the phone, called one of my friends, told him what the situation was. He said, Daryl, don't you worry about a thing. I'll, I'll wire the earnest money there. So my plan was, um, again, I belong, and that, well, now I got to tell a little more story. Um, at that time, I belong, well, I still belong to the apartment mastery program, right? And I knew that if I brought the deal to my mentor, I, I was going to raise the money because my mentor was going to help me raise the money and I was going to take it to the inner circle and present it. The numbers, uh, um, some of my team members from, from the boot camp, we, we used to always run the deals past each other. We ran the deal past each other. They liked the deals. They liked the numbers. So we, I already knew I was going to take the deal to the inner circle and, and, and raise money from there. And I know I would have gotten the money. But since, um, since we wound up backing out, I never made it that far. And we backed out day three, yeah, day three of the due diligence period. So um, my, my, my partner got his earnest money back and uh we wanted just walking away yeah that's definitely an interesting story i appreciate you sharing that and do you mind um like you touched on the waterfall structure and jv and the difference between that and the syndication a lot of people in the audience may not know what that is do you mind kind of defining each and just explaining the differences very very brief well a waterfall oh, and and you're right so there's a, you probably have a lot of new people that's watching so for, for all the seasoned investors out there what I'm going to say to you is don't email me because I'm going to try to keep this as simple as possible. So don't email me. But a waterfall structure. Um, well, first of all, let's go with JV. That's the easiest thing. A JV is us right here. All of us, all four of us coming together. We put the money in to, to, to acquire the property. We all will have an active role, not just on paper, but we all will have an active role. We're JVing, okay? We have an equal share or however we're gonna divide it, but we all gonna have a, an active role, JV. Now, you can also do a syndication, right? Syndication, you you don't have to do a waterfall. You could do a straight syndication where 70, 30 split, you know, general partners, which are the active people that found the deal, did the due diligence. They Let's say they get, 30%, 25% or, or whatever they set it out to be. And the limited partners will get, you know, if it's a if it's a 70, 30, uh, 60, 40, 80, 20, you know, they will get the bulk. So um, so when you look at syndication, you could do a split, you could do straight split, or I know some um some investors like to do um waterfalls. Waterfalls mean you're gonna you're gonna have uh, a percent that, uh, let, let's say I'm the GP and the three of you are the limited partners. So what's going to happen is before I get anything, if I set a 7% uh, 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 preferential return, a preferred return, then before I get paid, before anyone else get paid, you're going to get paid 7%. Now, there's going to be, it's going to be a structure that if I hit, and the reason why they like to use it, because they they use it as an incentive where if, if once I hit my mark, which is say, um, 
if I hit 18%, wait a minute. Yeah, let me make sure I got this right. So the 7% pref is you're going to get paid 7% before anybody else get paid, then whatever's left over, that's what's going to be divided out amongst the GPs and stuff like that. When you have your, when you have, uh, I forgot what it's called now. Holy smoke, I got a brain freeze. Uh, we all get those. There's, I, <laughs> um, but there's, there's a point that you hit if you go if you hit a particular and if you hit a particular percent um, if you hit a particular percent then what that means is the LPs will get the percentage of the money and then if you go over that goal let's just call it a goal if you go over the goal then the then the sponsors and the GPS will say okay we paid you we hit the goal. But now we're going to collect the balance of what's there. So, so with a waterfall structure, as long as you hit your goals, right, you're good. Now the problem comes in if something happens, like a a COVID nineteen, and all of a sudden things slows down. And and suppose you don't hit that goal. Now you got a little problem because you prom not. I can't say promise, but they're supposed to get the pref, but you can't you can't give it to them because you didn't hit it because of COVID-19. So that now is going to be carried forward. And now not only must you give them what's carried forward, but you still have to give them the pref for that particular um, for that particular quarter. So it could it could compound. To where if you don't meet the mark, you could find yourself where maybe you, or not you, but me, I will never get paid. And I'm doing everything in my power. I'm, I'm, I'm incentivized because one, it's my deal. But because um, something, a crisis may have happened, I wasn't able to meet the mark. So it's a twofold thing um, when it comes to the waterfall structure. Some like it, some don't, um, you know, but... Each have their own, you know, each do their own thing. I hope I no, for sure. that pretty good. <laughs> on that. Um, and, you know, you mentioned that you and your wife were working together on that deal. Uh, do you mind going into what your role is exactly and kind of what she does? Do you have a team that you kind of work with or is it just you two? Right. right. No, it, I do have a team. Um, it's, it's, a, um, it's about 10 of us, but they and, and my team members were going to come to assist, but um, I was walking the units, right, with one of which, um, with one of the property managers, and then my wife. She was in the office with um, two other team members of the property management company, and they were going to do the lease audits and all of that. And um, that's when we realized it wasn't going to work. While they were doing the lease audits, we were walking, and I got the phone call, and and, and my wife said, "Stop everything." stop and i said okay what's up she said come back to the office so i told the uh, the team member with me um and i had i had team members that was that were coming and I, and but i just I, I just called them uh, and said don't come because we're pulling out of the deal but yeah. she she was going to handle the she was in the office doing the lease audits and um you know checking the rent rolls and stuff like that who, who was there on the premises how much they were paying to verify all of that stuff. Yeah. I know. Yeah, but they yeah. didn't have a 
have no system whatsoever, man. It was like didn't have no system. It was like manila envelopes. They said they opened up all these manila envelopes, man. It was like one money order. There was no one, no leases. Making their death service. Yeah. So but I mean I think it's something that people can take a value is that you at least went through the motions of the whole process and that's yes. something that you you know you learn from and then on the next one that you just closed uh, maybe you were just helping on the capital raise but in the future you're going to actually know you know how to start that process so i think that's definitely something that you took yes. for value um and to kind of go into our next round to wrap up the show we always go into an express round where i'll ask you five questions uh you can tailor it towards okay. business or personal life whichever you prefer and i just okay. wanted to make sure you were ready okay awesome so what is the biggest mistake that you've made in real estate and what did it teach the <laughs> good one the biggest mistake that i made my very first property that i bought back in the 90s the very first property i bought i, I remember the uh instructors saying make sure you go out look at the site and know the uh, and know the community and what you're buying right i didn't do that so i was mr hardhead right bought the property now and the reason and it should have been a red flag hey i only paid like a hundred bucks for the for the <laughs> so that should have been a red flag if you're only paying a hundred bucks you need to get your butt out there and check it out so yeah uh, <laughs> i didn't go out there to check it out i didn't check um the crime statistics or nothing and after i paid the hundred bucks and went out there I was like, oh boy, and I had and I had a contractor to meet me out there, and you could look, you could look like straight through the building. <laughs> so, I'm I'm sorry, I'm taking up too much time. No, uh, so the contractor, I'm 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 saying to the contractor because I'm new. This is my first thing, right? I said, um, so, so what can we do? Like, can we can we do this, do that? He looked at me and said. Uh, you're going to tear this down, right? <laughs> that was my first lesson. No, also, was, at least it was. And yeah. I still it was it was a hundred dollars, but at least you learned something, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that was my first lesson. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, oh, question: What is your favorite book? And if you have one, like I said, for your personal life and business life, we would love to. Oh man, my favorite book is by Wallace. D. Waddles. Um, this uh, uh, Wallace D. This Waddles. This rich. book right here. Yeah, the science of getting rich. I'm gonna tell you something. Now, I read that the first time I read the book, I was like, wow. And then I had to read it again, and I read it again. That book right there. Although it's called the science of getting rich. I don't think it's not really to me. It's not really a science. It's just, it's just a, he brings common sense. And if you think about what he what he's saying, like if if you want to help the poor, you need to you need to help them by showing them how they could get out of the situation they are in, not by constantly dwelling on them being in the poor and and constantly giving to them because then they will never find their way out. If you teach them how to get out, you know, you you um they will get out. But he there's more than just that. But that book there, that's a good one. Wallace D. Waddles, the science of getting rich. Awesome, I love that. Yeah, what is the best piece of advice that you've received or that you would give? 
Um, I would say the best piece of advice that I would give someone is if you're going to, whatever you're going to do, you need to do it. Time is not promised to no one. You're here today, but that don't mean you're going to be here a second from now. If, if you have goals, start doing them. Start putting it into action You because nothing's going to come to you by just sitting on the couch or watching TV or and, and, and I'm even going to say this, you could pray all you want to God, but if you ain't putting no action in that to show God that you really want it, you might well just uh, forget about it. Because God ain't going to give it to someone who ain't doing nothing. He want to see you working for it. So if you want, if you have goals or dreams or you, or you say, I'm going to do this, then do it. Stop saying, I'm going to do it tomorrow or, 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 or the time isn't right. I got to get the time right. The time never going to be right. Just do it. Just I like that. It. And I kind of want to touch on that. Um, so, of course, like you said, I mean, tomorrow is never promised. So just go ahead and start with your goals. But another thing you did say is that, um, you know, some people may pray or they might want something to just happen. Um, but, you know, you'll get the ingredients. Like, for example, um, I was reading somewhere and this guy basically explained it that, you know, you'll pretty much – um, want a cake and eat your cake, of course, but you know, you'll be given all of the ingredients to make the cake. You just won't put in the time mm-hmm. to, to make the cake, although you want that badly. Right. So that, yeah, I exactly. Agree 100%. I, yeah. And, and, and you could put the ingredients on the table and say, I want the cake, but the ingredients aren't going to, aren't going to start making exactly. a cake by itself. Yeah. Right. You got to put the action mm-hmm. in hundred percent. Yeah. That. Um, what is a daily habit that you would accredit some of your success? Getting up and just being persistent every single morning. Um, I think uh, I get up every morning at 6 o'clock. Sometimes I may get up just a, a little earlier, like 5.30. But when I get up, I'm usually, when I'm up at 6, I'm always I'm doing something educational, with, um, whether, whether if I'm reading a book or I'm taking a course, and I and I do believe in taking a lot of courses on Udemy and whatever it is, because um, uh, um, I do a lot of underwriting, so I take courses, you know, whether it's by Justin Kevill or Robert Biz or reading a book or underwriting or just reading a book on on um, just capital raising or whatever. I'm do in that morning, I'm doing something educational to sharpen me to so that I can give back. And that's one thing I do like with with the meetings that I hold every Tuesday, you know, cause I have commercial multifamily masterminds. I want to give back, man. It's just, so I try to keep myself sharp and educate myself. Whatever I learn, I'm going to pass it to you. That's great. And it's kind of, it kind of goes into my next question, which is my last one best way for people in our audience that want to get in touch with you to reach out to you on well um you could get in touch with me by uh linkedin um daryl murphy senior you could get in touch with me um email daryl at murphy m-u-r-p-h-y baynard b-a-y-n-a-r-d group.com or you could uh or if you're on Facebook, you could connect with me through my page, um, Commercial Multifamily 
masterminds. Make sure you put an S after minds, but commercial multifamily masterminds. Um, you can also reach me there. So, yeah. I do appreciate your that uh, my our audience will definitely get a lot of value from this episode, and I definitely look forward to staying in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. I met Jeffrey through my meetings, right? Because you came to, I think, the commercial multiplying mastermind meetings, right? So I just want to, to say to everyone that in this field, in this industry, a lot of times you, you find yourself dishing out a lot of money, 20, 30, 40 grand, easy. And what I would like to say is slow back, hold back, pull back a little bit. Look for ways that you could get the knowledge that you need without having to dish out all that money. And what I do, because um, I thank God every day for putting me in a position that I'm in, I like to share. I don't believe in com competing. I believe in collaborating. And my page that I mentioned, Commercial Multifamily Masterminds, we believe in collaborating, not competing, to help those who are looking to get their deals done across the table. So I just wanted to say that we don't charge you no money. It's free. I definitely will have that in the, in the show notes. I definitely do appreciate your time, like I said, and I look forward to uh, staying in touch. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank Thanks, you. I hope, I hope I was able to provide some uh, really good information so to those that are listening. Thank you very much for this. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Real Life Monopoly podcast with the Donis Brothers. If you want to learn more about what we do, make sure to visit our website, www.donisinvestmentgroup.com. And if you aren't already, make sure to follow us on all platforms at Donis Brothers. Let's be great today. Have a good one.